This is a Culture Inject production. The Nevers Podcast presents Firefly Back in the Skies. Listeners, back to our retrospective series, Firefly Back in the Skies. I'm Laura. And I'm Tyg. And this week we're watching a real fan favourite, Out of Gas. So a quick synopsis for everyone. When Serenity's life support system fails, Mal orders the crew off of the ship on Serenity's only two shuttles while he stays behind. This originally aired on October 25th in 2002. The cast is all the usual ne'er-do-wells, plus Dax Griffin as Bester, who somehow manages to have a more sci-fi name out of character than he does in character. <laughs> and Stephen Flynn, who I swear I recognise as Captain Sash. This episode was written by David Solomon and directed by the ultimate power couple Tim Minear and Joss Whedon. So just a couple quick interesting facts about this episode so Gina Teresa's character Zoe spends most of this episode unconscious in the ship's medical bay partly because Torres was absent for part of the shoot as she was on her honeymoon which is funny because this episode focuses not largely but it's kind of like how everyone meets and you see how Wash and Zoe meet and it's interesting so it's funny that she was off on her honeymoon mm. uh, with a marriage to Lawrence Fishburne which I only realised quite recently I didn't realise they were a couple apparently they're not anymore but yeah, it was her honeymoon to Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. Yeah. I also, um, I don't know if this was true, but someone at a convention told me once that she doesn't fly. She's scared of flying. So isn't really? often at conventions, obviously, like out of the country or whatever. So I'm not sure where her honeymoon was or whether this is true, but that's what I was told once. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, while the crew was trying not to think about their fates, Anara and Simon chatted about death and uh, Inara says, I don't want to die at all. She also gives a look as if there is a lot more behind this um, in, in this episode. Mm. So this statement, combined with the mystery syringe, raised questions. We know we now know that Joss planned to have Inara dying from a terminal illness. So it's a storyline that never made it to the forefront due to the series getting cancelled so early on. But it's front and centre in James Lovegrove's 2021 Firefly novel, Life Signs. And we'll talk more about that moment later on. Um, when we get to it. So something subtle at the time but painfully obvious now is River's attempt to soothe Book. So here Book was worried about a slow and painful death. He wasn't big on the idea of Suffocane's death and who can blame the man. So River tries to comfort him by telling him that this wouldn't happen and instead they would freeze to death. However, Book didn't actually verbally state this fear out loud. River just pulled it from his mind, whether or not he realised it at the time. So there's a chance he knew and said quiet about it or perhaps he only thought back to it later. And um, our, I guess, most um, prominent fact here is that this is the highest rated episode uh, of Firefly on IMDb. So it's obviously a clear, clear um, fan favourite. Mm, very much so. I mean, this <laughs> and The Body are probably the two most highly rated Joss works in the fandom, except for maybe Once More With Feeling, but that kind of gets a, gets a pass. Oh, I did watch it again the other day, and it is still an absolute classic. Oh, it is. So yeah, this is this is uh, so some really interesting facts there. I particularly like the the life signs one. We'll get we'll cover that more later on. But yeah, this is a a really fun episode. It opens with a quite kind of melancholy melody playing in the present time, while we see Serenity just floating through dead through space, and it's all looking pretty grim. The camera travels to a different like 
empty room to empty room, no sign of life, kind of very uh, Mary Celeste, kind of half-finished dinners and upturned chairs. And we see Mal just fall into frame, collapsing into the cargo bay floor. And we hear this voice coming from the door. You buy this ship, treat her proper, she'll be with you for the rest of your life. It's this kind of salesman, sort of very kind of 1940s patter. It's very mm-hmm. kind of appropriate for the era. Light falls across Mal's face as the door opens. And we realise that we're being taken back to the moment in Mal's memory where he first entered the ship with Zoe. Yeah, it's a great opening, this. I the the music you're just kind of like what's going on here this is all very soothing and bleak and weird and it's like interesting getting a look um and we get another look later on where like just seeing through the ship um often on tv shows you know when you have an apartment or a hospital or whatever the setting is like none of the rooms are actually really joined together and you never really see it's all like cuts from one room to the other which is similar in in this show but now we're getting like this real through look of kind of the whole ship and you get a really good look at that later on as well. It's one, one of my favourite things is getting to see, just really get to see the space without all the people in it, like get to see the ship without without all the people. Yeah. And I love the, the the shot where he's kind of laying on the floor and you just see this light wash over his face. It's, it's all very kind of go into the lights, very... um heavy with the inference as another time they use that really brilliantly is um if he's in it in the film leon as known internationally as the professional yeah there's this one scene where matilda played by an incredibly young natalie portman is like knocking at the door and like there's the police the sort of the crooked cops are slowly converging on her from behind as leon opens the door and just the light washes over her face it's mm-hmm. like it's a very clear relation between the two scenes and it's, just, it's such a beautiful shot and they, they pull it off brilliantly yeah, and throughout this episode, so as we go uh, forward into our um, first kind of flashback, it's very kind of like uh, sepia-toned, you know, to kind of like let us know mm. when we're in the past and when we're here. It's a bit like hazy almost and like, I don't know, just like it's something at the back of your memory. So it's, yeah, the lighting and everything is is, is different. But um, so our first flashback, we Scratched see... Scratched old film reel. Yeah, yeah, like that. And we get to see, first of all, Mal and Zoe boarding the the ship that he's recently bought. Uh, But she's, you know, taken aback as it's run down appearance, (laughs) you know, and can't believe he paid for this death trap. So Mal is insistent that it's good, you know, that it's a solid ship and Wax is eloquent about, like, freedom from the Alliance and the ship's possibilities once they find a small crew. Um, as they leave to the tour, um, he tells Zoe he's even got a name picked out, as we all know will be Serenity. So it's a really nice moment, you know, because we know where they've come from and they're trying to get, like, yeah, trying to get some of their freedom back as as much as they can. So I was going to say, my favourite little moment is at the end, he says, you know, we'll get her running again. And she's like, get her running again. So not running now. And they just give this little, like, ah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great line. There's, there's, there's a couple of really brilliant lines in that sort of opening scene. The other one I really love is, uh, oh, yeah, a shit like this will be with you till the day you die. That's because it's a death trap, sir. It's <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Uh, and like it's one of those things where it's it's a fun like, on it taken on its own it's an incredibly funny line and it's, it's classic sort of weed and banter but mm-hmm. within the greater frame of the episode it's like man that's some some serious foreshadowing there love it yes 
So um, the flashback then pans back to Mao in the present time, bleeding, and you see, like, the blood drip. It very kind of, like, shots different to what we're used to, I guess. It's very, like, slow, and it pans down, and we see the blood dripping through. Obviously, we know that he's been shot or injured in some way. So um, we're, like, panicky, and then it cuts straight to the credits. We're just like, oh, here's this little song that we love so much, but, like, you know, can you get us back to Mao, please, because we think he's dying. <laughs> So we see him then um, clutching his stomach and he uh, laboriously drags a machine part along the catwalk. The camera pans up into the dining room, uh, a deck above to a near-present flashback of the crew enjoying um, a meal and telling amusing anecdotes from their past. The vital scene shows what a family the crew has become, sitting around a large dining table, eating, talking and laughing. You know, It sets up the rest of the episode for the revelations of how they all met and... Yeah, I mean, I love this. This was like um, just to, the the opening with them all just laughing, and it's just kind of like, oh, what happy family they are. But coming from seeing, you know, Mal's alone on the ship and he's been injured and possibly, you know, looks like he's dying. What's going on? How did we get from that to this kind of thing? Uh, the juxtaposition is fantastic. I also really want. To, I really, yeah. I also really want to know the end of Simon's story involving the upright man that walked into the ER. I'm pretty sure we all know where that's ending, but I want to hear Simon tell the story because yeah. I think it'd be funny. But he is very much like... Somehow I, hearing Simon tell it would make it funnier. I have some friends who are like... Um, I love them to bits, but when they start telling a story, it's all very... Um, Oh, okay, yeah, so I was here, and and it was Tuesday, or it might have been Thursday, and and anyway, then this happened, and it's like, the, the story's going to get there eventually, but it's almost painful, like, the journey to the story. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you feel so sorry for him, because he's obviously, like, never been surrounded by, like, a group of friends or ever this close to be, like, share stories like this, and he's, like, really kind of probably really happy because he's like been asked to share and he thinks everyone's there listening but then it's like really nerve-wracking as well and he's just so cute bless him and then of course uh jane has to ruin it all by being like anyway so you must have some funny horse stories in ara <laughs> because jane is terrible yep jane must be jane kaylee arrives with a surprise birthday cake for simon that is basically just the meal they had but covered in chocolate icing Sadly, before the doctor can blow it out, there's a power failure accompanied by a somewhat odd sound, causing Kaylee to start towards the engine room, just as River quietly announces, Fire! A fireball shoots through the passageway. Zoe leaps up to push Kaylee out of the way and gets hit by the leading pressure wave, throwing everyone to the ground. Mal quickly shuts the rear entrance to the common area, and the engine room is engulfed in flames. Simon can't get to his medical supplies because the ship is sealed up. Mal remotely opens the cargo bay doors to blow the atmosphere, sucking the fire out with it. I love how quickly this scene goes from happy cakes and fun to oh shit, everything's on fire. Like, yep. the switch <laughs> is just immediate and it's br it's so jarring because you're like, everything's nice. Oh fuck, we're all going to die. And yeah. we never got to try the cake. <laughs> never got to try that cake. That cake was huge as well. I was thinking to myself, like, are they usually quite... They're quite neat on like rationing and and stuff sometimes, and then I feel like like wasted all this because they've said that it's like the same food that they just had for dinner, and they've just like made this huge cake. But it's so cute, and it has just like the big candles stuck into the top of it. <laughs> yeah, all these completely like it's like a, a yeah, it's very bizarre. It's mismatched, bizarre. Like, yeah. it's it kind of sums up Kaylee in a way in that 
it's all a bit sort of mismatched and the hodgepodge, but there's obvious clear love behind it. Like yes. she really tries her best with the somewhat limited resources she has, which yeah, yeah, really kind of speaks to her character. But the whole scene does raise one interesting question. Obviously, when they confront Simon with his big cake, River kind of gives this long, complex scientific explanation for with the end of punchline being she'd actually forgotten it was his birthday, so she didn't get him anything. <laughs> but this is a this is a question I've had throughout kind of most sci-fi. But it's we're only talking about Firefly here, so I'll focus on Firefly. How, do they actually have like a centralized date? Is the day the same regardless of where you are in the verse? Because that seems like it would have problems. Like, do, are we even sure it's actually his birthday? Yeah, I'm not sure because yeah, how do you yeah like keeping track? Obviously, like just on one planet, we have you know such a big hour time difference that it's sometimes a different day on different places so like in the terms of like Mm. a galaxy or a universe yeah how we like keeping track of all this and does every planet keep track the same because surely all the planets are going to have like different um like sun cycles and you know the years are going to be longer Mm. or shorter and yeah it seems problematic so i don't know i guess in like star trek or whatever they have like a star date which is for the whole yeah. universe or whatever, I would imagine. I don't know how it works. They don't really reference the date in um, Firefly or whatever, do they? Well, I mean, they, they talk about getting to places in the right... Like, how do they know that if they've been told to arrive on X planet on Y date, yeah. they can actually even get there in time if they don't know? Like, if they, oh, you'll get there in three days. What's a day? Yeah, what's a day when <laughs> you're in, in the middle of space? <laughs> But yeah, no, I love the, yeah, I love that Rivers line. She gives off that big spill and then she just looks at him and is like, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then um, I have to say the other moment in this is like the way Zoe like sees the issue and immediately like leaps up, like literally leaps up, throws Kaylee out the way. I'm just like, oh, she's such a hero. And yeah, really just is. so impressive. And she really gets thrown against, like, back against that table. And I was like, <gasps> I really, like, cringed. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, of what little time she does get to do stuff in this episode, Zoe is obviously a badass, as usual. It's also, um, like you say, they, they shut the the doors. But I like how there's this moment and there's another moment later on. Like, as terrible as Jane is um, morally and as a person, like... The captain tells him to do something and there's like, he's just a good working man. Like he's on it. It's like, go and do this. And it's like, boom, he's there. Like he knows there's work to be done. You know, they need to save the ship and save their asses. And he's like there. So, you know, he's got some very small redeeming redeeming qualities about him. He does. Yeah. <laughs> like if he's being sort of paid the right amount and he's happy, like if he's, if he's on the job and he said he's going to do the job, he will do the job. Yeah, he does. The he'll job. do it as well as he can, which is... More than a lot of people can say. So um, we then come back to present time again and Mal continues his journey with this machine part. A door opening uh, leads to another near-present flashback to Simon treating a gravely injured Zoe while Wash desperately tries to rouse her. Um, So a stunned Kaylee tells Mal that Serenity ain't moving but Mal prods her to check out the damage and uh, when Wash refuses to leave Zoe's side and man the bridge, Mal drags him away from her and forces him gradually to his post so this like this bit has got a lot of like for me i'm like oh kaylee you know because she's 
worried about Zoe who just saved her life and it you know should be her laying there not Zoe kind of thing and then you've got like oh wash because he wants to be by his wife's side but at the same time there's nothing he can do there and they need to get this ship moving and figure out other ways you know they might all die so it's like yeah and I like how we go from this moment um with wash and Mao to like then the end of the episode and it's like this huge kind of I don't know like this journey of like respect like they respect each other a lot but like there's shit that needs doing and you know sometimes you need someone to just like grab you and shake you and get like your level head on so yeah it's interesting they're they're dynamic and that on the surface it seems like mal is being a little heartless like you know wash just wants to be by his wife's side when she's in critical condition and no one can fault him for that but at the same time mal has still has that real kind of military mindset where he's like yeah look i know she's injured and i know this looks bad but like you've got a job to do here you need to be on the bridge you need to be trying to get us moving again because you're the only one that can do it and if you don't do it we're screwed and this is you know perfect when we jump to the scene with them later on in the cockpit where he, you know he comes up with the great idea to save them all and it's like yeah he, he it needs to be done but it, it was a little mean at the time but he's not wrong to do it yeah because i also think that like i know that wash is her uh he's wait wash is her husband but like mal cares about her just as greatly as a friend and as like a companion so you know he's not yeah, he's just, you know, he's he's the captain. He has to keep the level head and make sure everything gets done. Exactly. He, he can kind of understand the importance of the situation, even if emotionally he probably wants to be by her side just as much as Wash does. Yeah. Speaking of Wash, we then jump to another recruitment flashback where we see Mal and Zoe speaking to a younger, gloriously mustachioed Wash <laughs> who is evaluating the condition of this new ship and considering taking the job as their captain. As Mal and Zoe head off into the depths of the ship, the first mate expresses general misgivings at this potential pilot. Although she doesn't quite know why, she tells Mal that he bothers me. (laughs) Mal tells Zoe that Wash has come with glowing recommendations and is already being courted by many other captains. Zoe agrees, but nevertheless, he bothers me. (laughs) Mal mentions they've also got a new genius mechanic, and we all know what's going to happen next, except we don't, because an unfamiliar, unkempt man overhears their discussion and appears to be entertained by Mal's praise. Yeah, it was that kind of like, even from watching it again... I really really enjoy that scene. Yeah, I mean, from watching it again, I remember that it's not Kaylee, but even watching it again after, like, not watching it for a couple of years, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, because you've, like, genius mechanic, and you're like, well, yeah, Kaylee's amazing, and then you're like, oh, no, wait, it's that dude. Oh, yeah, I remember the next scene with them. (laughs) I remember what happens. Um, Yep. Yep, (laughs) it's that part. And then... um, I was just like, who is this mechanic? That's not Kaylee. <laughs> What's this guy doing? Yeah, he and may be a genius, but he's not Kaylee. Kaylee's a savant. <laughs> Kaylee's, yeah. Kaylee is one with the ship. But I love, uh, yeah, Zoe's just like, I feel like Wash here doesn't get, um, he's very, he seemed very different. Like, and you don't get to see like a lot of him really. It's just like, oh, wow, look at that moustache. And yeah, Zoe's just brilliant. I, I I don't like him. She's just straight up. I don't like him. This is just something about him I don't like. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're going to love all of him. How, how fast hate turns to love. After all that moustache, we get back to the near present where Simon jabs a flatline Zoe with a shot of pure adrenaline. And another jump cut 
takes us to the present, where a lone male does the same thing to himself in order to uh, continue his struggle. Jumping back to the near present, Kaylee despondently tells Mal that their life support is entirely uh, disabled, giving them only a few hours of oxygen left. Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> it's, it's high tension. <laughs> Kaylee just has the most expressive face. Mm. And she's so sad that she's like, oh, she she looks so sad. I just want to give her a hug. Like, I know you're all dying, but don't look so sad, please. You're making me sad. Oh, I have given her a hug and it was fantastic. Just just popped back into my memory. She's lovely. Jules State is so lovely. I was at a con a few <laughs> years back and she was there, but it was getting towards the end of the day. And basically I had to pick whether to go and queue up and see her or go and queue up and meet Amber Rose Reaver from Punisher. And okay. I chose Amber, and um, I do not regret it in the slightest. She was amazing, but I, I do I do feel a little sad I didn't get to meet Kaylee because I love her. Yeah, I've not met um, Summer Glau, but she was at a convention that I went to. But the queue for her table was immensely long, and the person at the back of the queue basically said, <clears throat> like the person that was working at the convention, was like, you know, you could get a ticket and try to come back uh, later, but the chances are you're not gonna because she spends quite a lot of time chatting with everybody which is like great because you know she obviously yeah. cares about meeting her fans and wants to have a good interaction um but yeah it just makes her cues a lot longer uh than than most people's so i didn't i was like yeah i'm not going to be able to be here like you know forever and till later and then maybe not even get to see her anyway so i saw her from afar and was like oh there's summer glow and that was That's enough. Still pretty good <laughs> i was like this is good <laughs> she looked very pleasant Apparently, yeah, all the people at the convention were like, she's just one of the nicest guests we've ever had. Um, and everyone loves that her. Is, uh, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, while Simon muses about their potential suffocation, Inara reflects on her love of the serenity. In his quarters, Book is actually reading his Bible. River stops by to reassure him that they won't suffocate. They'll, in fact, die of the cold first. On the bridge, an angry wash snarks about Mal's refusal to accept their doom, pointing out that he deliberately chose a travel path that keeps them as far away from any possible contacts. <laughs> and then obviously, Wash and Mal, their little interaction, when they just get, you know, they're getting kind of like increasingly, increasingly like angry at each other. And Wash is just like, well, maybe I should do that then. And they're both like, fine, fine. <laughs> like, they're obviously like, they don't want to kind of like admit defeat uh, and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you were right. Oh, I'll, I'll go do this. They're just like, <laughs> even though they're like agreeing with each other yeah. now, they're still angry and shouting at each other. It's just brilliant. And then to have Jane run in and be like, stop. Jane's like, stop arguing. And you're like, oh, Jane cares. And then he's like, you're sucking up all the air. It's like, oh, Jane only cares about himself still. <laughs> such, a, such a Jane comment is so good. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, he's, he's turned the corner. Oh, wait, no, he hasn't still just thinking of himself. Fucking <laughs> typical. Uh, for a guy that's meant to be like sort of the hard-boiled mercenary, he does slightly go to pieces and get a little bit kind of paranoid in these... Like, there's a few situations. Like, there's that and then when they uh, run afoul of the Reapers. Mm. Reapers. Sorry, I've been watching too much Walking Dead. And... <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, like they, he kind of slightly loses it when there's when they have a run with the Reavers. It's like he's meant to have kind of nerves of steel, but he just sort of doesn't. Well, I was thinking about this when when everything first went wrong, the alarms and everything. They're like, oh, we're running out of air. I'm thinking to myself, you guys do live on a spaceship. 
like at any moment like something could come flying off your ship and you're gonna die it's like a very dangerous way to live isn't it like so you think they'd be more prepared and well actually saying that the rest of the crew they are all very no one's running around panicking no one's like they're all very calm and very like this is what's happening and 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 they're on it i wonder how many times have kind of like faced situations uh similar to this yeah it's 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 interesting to see like how everyone handles it surprised by how well simon and river handled it considering that they're probably the least used to uh sort of space travel but they both actually seemed relatively calm in the face of impending doom i I mean i suppose for simon it kind of makes sense because being a being a doctor and a surgeon he's used to handling kind of those extremely tense situations yeah but i I I wouldn't have been surprised if river had slightly it's kind of flown off from one but she didn't she held it down yeah she was very calm very calm this whole episode and during all the flashbacks as well like all the like um Sorry, before and after, like during the episode, she's she's very level headed, and I guess they they couldn't kind of on top of everything that's happening, they couldn't have like crazy river. They lucked out. True, that probably a bit much. It would have been a bit much. They did, yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> just, just a bit, yeah. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> so we have like Mao and Wash arguing. So as they're arguing, Mao slips in a suggestion to get the attention of um, a passerby that turns out to have. Uh, a remote possibly of working where Jane ends to complain about their wasting air another cut takes back to the present so this is now where Mao is like hauling the machine part towards the engine room as the uh, PA system needlessly sounds an alarm about the fouled life support and low oxygen levels so we've had all that little argument and then now it cuts back again to Mao and he's like getting closer and closer and you're like oh my god like is he gonna make it he's not gonna make it <laughs> They managed. They really managed to just like dial the tension up to eleven with that. Like him, like slowly dragging his way along, getting towards the engine. Like the freaking PA announcing in multiple languages, like "Yep, you're fucked. This is why you're fucked. This is how fucked you are." It's like ten different. It's just, uh it's so tense. And like we know, we know they're getting out okay because a since episode four a million times, and b this is halfway through the season they obviously survive but somehow despite the fact that you know kind of deep in your core that everything will be okay at the end you're still just like ah they're gonna die <laughs> it's yeah it's 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 some serious work there to get like to really build up that tension even when you actually know they are safe mal arrives in the engine room of the serenity hollering at bester the ship's mechanic who is a uh, air quotes genius for failing to get the ship underway as promised, especially since they've got a job to do. When Mal arrives, he catches Bester in the engineering. Um, nope. When Mal arrives, he catches Bester with an engineering groupie. When Bester finally notices, he explains the girl gets hot around the engines. Mal isn't interested and orders him to get the girl off the ship and get the engine going. Bester starts to spout various excuses as for why he can't get this done. When the groupie, who is quietly getting dressed in the background, interrupts Bester's spiel to correct him on his inaccurate diagnosis. We're like, oh, look, it's Kaylee. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, I was kind of watching a scene and I was, and then she, you kind of hear this voice and you're like, wait a minute, I recognise that voice. <laughs> is that who I think it is back there? And then it is. <laughs> and then um, we see her uh, emerge from behind the engine and we're like, oh, it is Kaylee. That's great. Here she is. This is how it Ooh. happens. So um, when Bester sputters incomprehension, Kaylee explains the diagnosis, the problem while on the floor and quickly fixes it. Mal is impressed and offers her a job right there and then. 
and Kaylee happily runs off to um, wind up her affairs at home. Bester questions why Serenity would need two mechanics, and Mal ominously says, I really don't. <laughs> it's like such a good, um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> that guy's just like, ah, oh, shit, I just lost my job. Like, what would have happened? Like, oh, Serenity wouldn't have got off the ground for ages, or if it ever did, it probably would have exploded because this guy didn't know what he was doing. I saw that he's been working this for apparently like over a week and Kaylee managed to fix it in sort of a couple of minutes while on her back in the engine room. Like she's just that good or Bester is you know, that bad at what he was doing. Yeah. But like you're just lying there like, oh, you need to fix that. She's like, you know, think about her shopping list for the week. Mal's like, oh, have you um, got a lot of experience on a ship like this? And she's like, nope, never even seen one before. Like... <laughs> I feel like if we'd had a chance to actually, you know, get a full season of this show and maybe even, God forbid, a second season, mm. I would have liked them to explore more about Kaylee's ability with engines. Like, it's not just that she's good. Like, Bester is a genius mechanic. Kaylee is on a whole other level. Like, she's a savant. She just understands machines at a, like, genetic level. I'd really like to have seen more of kind of what she can actually do when she's really pushed. Yeah, and in this episode, there's the moment yeah. when she's sitting with the broken part, and that's that's for me like that's what it is to her. Like being a mechanic is not it's not all necessarily like parts and things. She's like you can really see her feeling and like it's like an emotional state for her, like being one with the ship, and it's like this relationship as a part. Oh, a relationship as a part to like as opposed to like just pieces and things but it is sad when she's like you know some things are just broken and you can't even being as amazing as she is you can't always fix it well, actually it's, it's um it's, that's the next scene like you know she uh we jump back to the near present and she's it's mal in the engineering room with kaylee and they're sort of poking the engine she says i'm sorry it's, you know, I'm, un I'm unable to fix the ship she tells mal about the broken catalyzer which just can't be repaired it has to be replaced we jump back to the present time where we now know what that thing is that Mal was holding. It's the replacement catalyzer. And remembering when Kaylee showed him earlier, he kind of tries to put it into the engine and it just drops through his hands and falls through the grate into the, you know, the bowels of the engine. Yeah. And it's a bit where it's like she's walking through and she's like, I don't understand how this happened. Like usually the serenity tells me when she's broken. Yeah. And it's like, it like, this is not just a job for her. She has a real, like, deep emotional connection to this ship. It's, it talks to her in, you know, the, the rumble of the engine and the whir of the motors. She hears that, and even like, not even looking at the engine, she can just hear it and be like, oh, that, that's not right. It's like, Serenity's telling me something is wrong. I have to fix it. Yeah. Which makes it all the sadder that something now has happened that she's like, she, not only could she not fix it, she didn't even know there was something there to fix. Although I remember hearing somewhere, but I, 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 I kind of I discount it from canon because I don't I don't like it. That the problem this episode was because of the thing she did in the flashback. And oh. then, like, she, she mentions something about this part being wrong, and then you jump to now and it explodes, and that's why it went wrong. And it's like I don't like the idea that. It's her kind of, fault. Like, we're built up to believe that Kaylee is this genius and that somehow she's the one that's responsible for the part breaking. I don't like that. No, I don't like that because, yeah, she she says that whatever the part she took out in the flashback, you know, isn't unnecessary. And I believe that. 
and this ship's been flying for years, right? Some sometimes, and this is the heartbreak in it is that like, as much as like the ship speaks to her and she like knows what's gonna be going wrong with it if something goes wrong. Usually, this part has just reached the end of its life and it's just a part and it's broken and there's nothing she can do about it and it's heartbreaking. Oh, seeing him like yeah because. It, in terms of like foreshadowing, obviously you see it in this scene. She shows him like exactly where the part goes and how it goes on. Because otherwise you'd be like, like if, if in the present time he's just got that part and he's trying to put it in, you'd be like, Mal would have no idea where to put that. It goes back a bit to that scene with them, in, with Mal in the uh, the doctor's office when he grabs the adrenaline and like shoots himself up. Yeah, It's like we see the doctor doing that to zoe and that's how when mal's there he knows he like, knows he what goes to do. the same drawer grabs the same thing and gives it to himself so it's like you know we know that like, kind of, it's almost like the the, sort of the near future the near present flashbacks are showing us how mal knows what to do in each step of what he's doing in yeah. the present sort of the present day parts it's, it's very cleverly where they were kind of woven together not many people can handle that sort of non-linear storytelling. It's something I've only really seen Tarantino pull off in the past. Oh, right, but, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Villeneuve. But Whedon absolutely nails it. And that, like, every single cut is nice. So, again, we're cutting. So we're going to the near present. And uh, Mao assembles the crew to order them to split into two groups and take, like, each shuttle in opposite directions to find help, however unlikely the possibility of success. So with four per shuttle, he decides to stay behind in case Wash's beacon catches someone. Wash rigs a big red, <laughs> it is a big red button, <laughs> a big red recall switch on the bridge so Mal can call them back. Inara objects to Mal's apparent desire to go down with the ship, but Mal refuses to accept defeat. Yeah, I love the big red button. I also think it's, it's quite a nice kind of scene for Wash because in the same way that like five minutes before they were, or a couple of scenes before they were, you know, throwing each other against the wall and they were kind of really... Like every kind of interaction between the two of them has been quite heated so far, this episode. And you get to this bit and he's like, yeah, yeah I know we're going to do this wrestling, but like, we want to be able to come back and save you if something... If like if we need to, we want to be able to return. So like, I'm, I can just rig up this thing to, you know, call us back when it's required. It's like, even though they fight and even though two scenes before they were throwing each other around the doctor's office, there is still like, they, are, they will still absolutely be there for each other if they're needed like they are bound together tighter than just a crew like they really are a family they can fight and they can throw each other around but at the end of the day they are absolutely there for each other when it's needed and it's like it's it's, it's tiny scenes like two lines but it just it says volumes and i love that yeah and i also like how like with anara and mao it's kind of like for him it's like holding on to that last shred of hope that someone will come and save them and for like the others they feel like he's like it's this futile thing where you know the chance of someone saving them and getting back to the ship and having everything be okay is like really low but like Mal's like he's really got that like he really really thinks it's going to happen or he just hopes at least that they'll go and 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 find someone even if he doesn't make it so it's um yeah interesting to see kind of like Mm. Not like glass half full, half empty type thing. Um, he's a good man. He's a good man. The next section is a flashback to the past showing Anara's introduction to the ship she would later almost die in. One of Serenity's shuffle- shuttles. 
in, res- in response to Mal's somewhat ropey bargaining tactics, Inara confidently announces that he will rent the shuttle to her at a discount to gain little respectability and help him in his own somewhat less illicit business. The two also have their first fight when Inara tells him that she supported unification. She gives him two rules, never walk in uninvited and never call her a whore, both of which rules he breaks at least once an episode. <laughs> they are the two... Like, in a show about rule breakers, I think those are the two rules we see broken the most. I just, I love how from the very first moment they met, the chemistry there was, like, on fire. From the the second they were introduced, they were like, yep, <laughs> this is the person I'm never going to marry, but I'm going to, like, from the rest of my life, we're going to spend our time arguing and then making up and never actually getting married, but we are still totally a thousand percent married. Like just, just that one line that's just perfect like oh you're gonna rent the ship to me and for a quarter less why am i gonna do that because you want me like 10 seconds of absolute silence you want me on your ship i give you credibility oh yeah sure that's that's what you meant yeah that's that's why i want you i like how well she is a little bit a little bit less um obviously like friendly as usual because she's trying she's got her business face on and she's trying to be like you know this is what's happening. So it's interesting to see how much more she's kind of like soothed. Um, and I'm wondering if like, and I'm not being like uptight, but obviously she's in a role where you have to be like super professional all the time and always have like this, this air about you. And with him, I feel like she, she has this like comfort zone where she can kind of be more of herself. I don't know. They're, I just love them. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, it feels very much like, even when she's interacting with the rest of the crew, a lot of times she has that sort of companion's mask on. And the only time we really get to see her actually just be her is when she's talking with Mal and when she's talking with Kaylee. Those are the only two people she's ever really, like her barrier is just completely down with those two because she loves Mal and because it's impossible to be anything but kind to Kaylee. <laughs> so after that, we come back uh, to the near present when Anara pleads that you don't have to die alone. Mal responds, everybody dies alone. Wash also appears to want to say something about their departing without the, cap- uh, without the captain, but Mal turns his attention back to Zoe. As Mal seals off the ship compartment, the crew silently departs on their desperate missions in opposite directions. I love, um, I just got (laughs) the best thing about all of this as like heartfelt as it all is and like tension moment and everything is just Jane like coming up and like looking like he's going to say a heartfelt farewell and he's just like, well, and then he just walks straight off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just like one of my favourite moments. It's so good. Absolute classic Jane. I love it. And we, we get our, I think, third tour or second of three kind of tours through the ship where we just see him walking through, kind of locking all the doors behind him. It's like, oh, it's so grim. Like, again, we know it all ends happily, but it's it's very much like kind of, you know, sealing up, sealing his tomb, just closing all the doors and locking it down. And then we see the, you know, the dining room and the, the cake still on the table. And it's like, it was all, they were, they were so close to being happy, but just couldn't. Such a brilliant scene. So evocative. Yeah. So again, sometime later, Mal is tucked up in his little cocoon in the cockpit and we see he's awakened by a salvage ship attracted by Wash's beacon. 
The captain of the ship agrees to help by giving Mal a spare catalyzer. When Mal opens the door to get the catalyzer, the skeptical captain holds a gun on him whilst the crew ensures no one is there to ambush them. <sighs> like, while obviously it wouldn't be these, but those guys are just kind of one and done. They turn up, they shoot Mal, act like dicks, and then leave. I, I really love the idea that if we had sort of got more of this show, there would have been, like, an evil serenity out there. Like, we would have met a crew that were very similar in sort of ship size and le- and sort of team build to the, sort of the crew of the Serenity, but were just absolute dicks. Like, just had no moral code, just took any job, like, regardless of how many babies they'd have to murder to complete it. And, like, they were going around doing exactly what the serenity we're doing but being absolute dicks while doing it like a kind of an antagonist group to serenity it would have been been a really great addition to sort of the law but sadly never happened but yeah uh it's it's weird as well seeing like mal mal's got to be like trusting because i feel like up till this point it's always like you know you've got your gun on you and if something goes south you're like prepared but in this he has to be like this is his only chance, so he has to be, like, really trusting and hope that, like, the other crew are as nice as his kind of thing. Um, because while he has, you know, he, he does what he's got to do, he's he's very trustworthy. But anyway, uh, we, we, we shoot back to the another flashback um, where Mal and Zoe are being held at gunpoint by three bandits, one of whom is Jane. Mm-hmm. So Mal and Zoe engage in clever banter with the bandits, um, bandit banner, with uh, Jane providing an example of his limited wit. <laughs> so when Mal realises how effective Jane was at tracking them, he and Zoe encouraged the gunmen to switch sides and join their crew by promising a larger cut from Jobs and his own bunk. Jane casually shoots one of his former partners, Marco, in the leg and holds the other at gunpoint while he negotiates for his new job. Yeah, it's just, this is like the perfect intro for Jane. Yeah, there, there is no better way to add him to the crew than this. It was just hilarious. Like when he first starts speaking and Zoe's like, it had a kind of poetry to it, sir. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> I love them. They're always so like deadpan and just like the sarcasm and the, yeah, they're, they're so brilliant. I love them. And yeah, this is just another thing of like showing us just what Jane cares about. And, you know, this is a crew that he's been running with for however long. And like regardless regardless of whether or not this guy has been boning him over in the pay and, you know, having him share a bunk, um, like, there's obviously no sense of, like, family or friendship. Um, or even if there was, <laughs> Jane doesn't care. He wants more money in his own bunk. <laughs> yeah, i got to share a bunk with him. And it's this, like, grizzled old guy with a massive moustache. Like, you, <laughs> he doesn't look like a cuddler. This is going to be a rough night. The other moment is because we see this with Jane and the other thing is like when we see them part off in separate ways, Mal says to Anara about like not to trust him. Mm. Like he's he's handy, he's strong, you like do good work, but like don't trust him and don't let him take over. Yeah, just it, we're always getting reinforced of what kind of man Jane is. Yeah, it's like I, I, I said, I'd, I'd asked a question of kind of the internet and in general the other day about who you think the worst friend is in fiction and there's there's storied history of all these amazing friendships zoe and mal for instance throughout fiction but like who is the worst friend you've ever seen in a show 
and someone did suggest Jane, and I was like, really, if you think about it, actually, like, it's not that he's he's not a bad friend. He's just kind of a bad person, but he it does feel like he gets better as he goes on, and I really I do hope that again for the third time this episode. If we'd had a chance to see the rest of the season and maybe a season two, I do, I do really like to think that we would have seen Jane slowly become more loyal. Like, there is a bit of growth in him by the end of the season, but I'd like to think that hopefully by the time we read kind of season three or four, he would have been as loyal as the rest of the crew were. But once again, I guess we'll never know. Back in the near present, the salvage crew signals they're all alone. The captain just casually shoots Mal in the gut so he can steal the Serenity as payment for the part, which is fairly horrible. While the captain enthusiastically chats with his crew, however, Mal finds a hidden gun, pulls it on the captain, and orders them to leave the catalyzer and get off his ship. As soon as the ship is secure again, he collapses under the cargo bay 4, as shown in the opening scene. So we've, we've come full circle. I like, like, in this one when he says, he's, oh, he says to Mal, like, you would have done the same. Like, in their position, you would have done the same. And he's like, well, like, basically, I'm not killing you now, am I? Like, I haven't shot you. I could have shot you all up instead of just letting you leave my ship. But, like, I'm clearly a better man than you are. And it's, um yeah, it's nice to see, like, a very clear, like, juxtaposition of, like, here's a captain that's, like, doesn't give a shit about like people and will steal from people whereas like Mao and his crew they do some shady jobs but like we've seen that the shady jobs they've done they try and not have it impact like anyone directly if it's like something bad they're like oh no we're not cool with this yeah um, and they wouldn't just straight up go and like like destroy another ship and rob their stuff or whatever it's yeah it all harkens back to one of my absolute favourite lines in the whole series, one of my favourite lines in like all of fiction. It's an incredibly simple line, but brilliant. It's from, I believe, the train job, where they they steal the, the, the cargo, in air quotes. They find out it's medicine, and then it's treating this horrible disease that's sweeping through the whole thing. So they, re- they do thing, they break the cardinal rule and return to the scene of the crime to give the mayor back his medicine. And the mayor's there, he's like, yeah, where I see it, like you've got two kind of choices. You can, when you something like this, you can either accept it or you can't. Like those, those are your, those are your options. And Miles kind of looks at him. He's like, I, I don't think that's. I don't think you have the option there. It's like, as far as Miles concerned, when you realise that you've stolen medicine that could save a bunch of people, your only option is to take it back, hold your hands up, like give it back, admit you went wrong, and just like you know try and make amends it's like there's no part of him that would ever consider stealing medicine from people that needed it like that's that to me says everything you need to know about mal so after we see mal collapse as he did in the very opening and it brings us full circle back round so that we're uh, all in current time now well should we think it should be <laughs> um back in the present time weakened and injured mal manages to drag the new catalyzer out of the engine bowels and install it Starting the engine again. Yay, go Mal. He's like trainee mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> he slowly makes his way to the bridge but collapses again, short of the recall switch. I was like, look at that big, big red button he's put there. You can't possibly not hit that. And he makes it like a step away or whatever <laughs> and collapses. And you're like, no. Again, um, this was 
for looking at the ship for me this time we're going through the ship and it's like a first person view of the ship so it's really nice to see like this is what it would look like if you were walking through the ship of Serenity and that's cool like you could do that in VR that'd be cool oh that'd be amazing I love this scene because it just it sums up a lot of kind of the, the the great tragedy of Malcolm Reynolds like he's just always a little bit short he always wins the battle but loses the war it's like like they, you know, they were at the, the, the Valley of Serenity. You know, they, they fought the big battle. But they, they sort of won, but then in the end they didn't. Like, the Independents still lost. And it's like, he got the ship fixed. He was crawling. He was moments away from absolute victory and just, like, fell over right at the post. Like, he just, he always manages somehow to snatch yep. defeat from the jaws of victory. And it's just, it's all rather sad. He's quite a tragic figure when you really stop and think about it. So should we see like how hard he's trying? It's like he's been shot yeah. in the stomach, like everyone has in this show. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, and he's like like that's supposed to be like one of the most painful things like ever. Mm. Um, he's like had to give himself a shot of adrenaline so that he can keep going. Like the wi- the sheer willpower to pull through for his ship and his crew is insane. Yeah, like for him to have made it through that, yeah, is is mental. So we're worried. He's passed out. We don't know what's happening. And then we start to hear voices from like all the various flashbacks. And then he gradually regains consciousness in the infirmary where the crew is bustling about. Hurrah! Um, A passive but conscious Zoe welcomes him back to awareness with Wash giving him a blood transfusion. She takes responsibility for ignoring his orders and returning to Serenity. Fortunately, since he never sent the recall. But she promises not to do it again. Mal drowsily asks if he went someplace. Book replies, uh, uh, very nearly. This is such a nice scene because it's kind of like the dinner where they're all there at the beginning and now we're all together again but we're in the infirmary with multiple injuries and all this stuff going on. It's another example of kind of the episode coming full circle. The episode starts with Mal collapsing on the grate and then it ends, the final scene starts with him collapsed on the grate. The, The episode starts with them all gathered together in this happy fun sort of birthday party meal and then it ends with them all together and happy but looking somewhat worse for wear huddled around their near-death captain in the infirmary like the idea of kind of the cyclical nature of this episode is is fantastic especially with the sort of non-linear way that it's put together it's all very very like it's a very complex episode for what is essentially quite a simple storyline it's very well done the way they've all like, there's a very there's a very good reason this is one of the highest rated episodes on IMDb it is very very well put together I love how Malcolm wakes up and he looks at Wash and he's like what's what's wrong with your arm he's like <laughs> are you okay he's like after everything he's been through and he's still worried about his crew like more than he is about himself and again uh, with their relationship journey through this episode of like you know arguing and like not seeing eye to eye and then kind of like clearly caring about each other to now um wash essentially like helping save mal's life by like giving him blood or whatever it's um it's a very nice uh journey for for mal and wash through this episode indeed and you know it furthers the whole kind of blood brother family motif like they go through the war together and are closer for it it's all it's all very well done so many layers. But um, Inara, of course, is understandably ecstatic to find her future husband still alive, but the mask is down, so she can't 
Scarlet come out and say it so with very undecided relief. She's like, oh, we thought we'd lost you. Simon, who is tending to Mal administering seven different kinds of pain medication, reiterates Zoe's statement that her decision saved his life. And shortly after this exchange, Simon, Simon firmly tells everyone that Mal needs to rest and the rest of the crew all start to trickle away. So, yeah, I think with that, it's just kind of like... Um... Like you say, the Inara thing. It's like, oh, she cares so much. But yeah, in front of everyone, like in the um, Our Mrs. Reynolds episode, it's like she can't show like her feelings for him. And then we see, um, so we see Mal start to drift off again and he asks them, you're going to be here when I wake up. And it's so cute. Um, he reaches for Book's hand, Book takes it and gently assures him so. Um, reassured, Mal drifts off to sleep once again. Yeah, it's it's funny to see like this big man, the 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 leader of the ship, the one who's like always like on it, like now drugged up and like laying on the bed and being like the vulnerable one, with his crew around, like kind of taking care of him. And it really kind of ties into the whole idea of kind of like memories and reminiscence that is throughout this episode. Like this whole way through, as he's been at death's door, he's been thinking back to how he met all these people. And then he kind of he wakes up tired but okay in the infirmary, and they all start to kind of drift away from him. And he's like, "I'm not imagining this, right? You are all still here. Like this isn't this isn't a memory. You 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 came back. I'm safe. You're gonna be here when I get when I wake up. So yeah, don't worry. We're safe now. It's okay. You can sleep sleep easy. Everything will be okay once you wake up. Really, really beautifully put together scene. And yeah, as you said, one of the one of the rare times we get to see Mal like being vulnerable. Usually he's kind of the stoic of the group, but there's, there's, a, there's a little softy under there that's, he's tucked away and then we round off the episode in an old shipyard where a salesman tells Mal yes sir it's a right smart purchase this vessel tell you what you buy this ship treat her proper she'll be with you the rest of your life however he's referring to a very Thunderbirds looking yellow sort of rocket ship monstrosity Mal however just does not give a slightest thing his attention has drifted away as a sailman notices in the middle of his sales pitch Mal is looking across the yard at an old, broken-down, abandoned Firefly-class ship at the edge of the lot. As a salesman tries to attract his attention, for Mal, it's love at first sight. This is just the absolute perfect way to end this episode. Like, the whole way through, we've got this repeated spiel from the salesman talking about how this ship, it's amazing. If you do what you like, you can treat it right. This is the ship that will be with you forever. And we realise in the closing minutes of the episode, he's not even talking about Serenity. He's talking about some other <laughs> stupid banana boat thing he's trying to probably just trying to get rid of so he can get rid of Mal. But Mal cares for none of it. He just he set his eyes on Serenity from across the lot and he's like, Nope, that's my ship, that's my home, that's my grave. Give it to me now. I need it. I don't know why, but I was watching this and somehow it really reminded me of Romeo and Juliet. I know that's a bit weird, but trust me, there is a link there. That play opens. It's Romeo and Mercutio and Romeo is just going on about this girl. He's so in it. I love her so much. I have to be with her. She's amazing. She's the best woman ever. And then he realises he's just talking about some random chick and he goes to her party and that's where he meets Juliet. And it's like in the same way, they're in this lot yeah, it's, it's Mal and his Mercutio, and they're talking about this this ship. Oh, it's the best ship. You you get a good crew, we'll be with you forever. And then across the room, you know, his eyes meet with someone he never even thought he'd come across. And he just sees this firefly, and he's like, nope, 
That's the one for me. A week later, six people dead. I'm going to commit suicide with that one. No, well, kind of, kind of lost, kind of lost, <laughs> drifted off slightly towards the end. But you, you see the connection there. Like there is, there is definitely a a causal link between the two. And I think it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if Whedon was aware of, had had that particular sort of idea in mind when he was writing this scene because it's just it's so brilliantly done. I feel like for me, he's looking across and it's like, not only is it a really cute little ship, but it's like, compared to the other ships, if they're all like as big as the one that this guy's trying to sell him, it's like the underdog, right? It's like this, this little ship where he can have himself a little crew and it'll be really nice and it's just like the underdog and it's broken and no one else would buy it. So for Mao, it's like perfect because he's the underdog and it's yeah so it's like it's perfect so yeah um so what was your favorite quote overall of this episode it's kind of tricky i think it's it's kind of hard to say because there's, there's a there's a few quotes it's, it's not the most quotable episode because a lot of the best lines are kind of woven through the whole sort of tapestry of the episode they don't really stand up on their own the, the, the thing that's so great about them is that the part of the greater sort of whole but if I had to it would probably be either um, Zoe's line about, about, about Zoe's line about it being a death trap from the opening scene or River's huge scientific explanation that finishes with I didn't get you anything and those were probably my two favourite quotes but yeah this isn't the most the most quotable episode for me yeah, I think not so much lines, but it's like moments, this episode. It's like, so like the Mao and Wash argument with them ending just like yelling fine at each other. It's just like that. Those moments, yeah, are like key in this episode. Um, and also I do love my couple little Jane moments with the like, you're sucking up the air and then the well is just like, yeah, just brilliant. I'm trying like to watch it really level-headedly and be like, I know like I was like a Jane super fan and now I'm like, I need to watch this because everybody else told me that you're just a bit of a dick and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, you know, no, no, I get that. <laughs> I try not to like be clouded in judgment and like him for, I don't know, no reason. But he's like, he's cool and he's got like an awesome gun. <laughs> Vera, top 10 best gun. Vera, I also like his sidearm and I love obviously Mal, Mal Reynolds' pistol. I love Zoe's um, like, it's like shotgun rifle yeah. with the like Winchester reload. Yeah, it's so good. Whatever it is, it's badass. Yeah, this has got good guns. But yeah, overall, yeah, definitely one of the top episodes. It's oh, just... Yeah. Absolutely. Um, obviously because it's like the, the origin episode and on top of like... It's not just an origin episode. We get to see like how all of them originally came to the to the Firefly, and then uh, to Serenity, and then we also have this like high adrenaline. Are we going to lose anyone? Is anyone going to die? Or are they all going to die? Is this the end of the story? This can't be the end of the story. <laughs> but to see yeah them as a as a real family unit, it's a great episode. It's kind of, kind of like we're seeing the beginning, middle and end of the Firefly family. But thankfully, there was no end. Well, there was an end, just not in this episode. So we're, sort of, we're safe for another week. But it was kind of showing you what you've got to make you really worried about what you might lose within the arc of the episode. But thankfully, this was one of the rare occasions where Joss Whedon chose not to break our hearts, which he so so, so often takes. So I'm quite glad he didn't this time. 
It's okay, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> we can, after, after we review Serenity, we can just sit and cry for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining me in conversation. Always a pleasure. Yes, so thank you, and thanks to our amazing listeners. If our listeners have any questions or anything they want to talk about or discuss, you can send letters or emails or, you know, wherever we do nowadays, to fireflybits at gmail.com. That's firefly, B-I-T-S, for back in the skies, at gmail.com. Next week, we will be watching Ariel. Hard up for cash, the Serenity takes on a job for Simon, break into an alliance hospital on a central world, Ariel, so that he can go through a diagnostic of River and the crew can loot the valuable stores of medicine. But River's pursuers are hot on the trail and they receive some unexpected inside help. If you're hoping for some morals to have made it into Jane's being, um, <laughs> don't get your hopes up, especially for this episode. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is my one. This is the episode that hurts me the most, like from watching it and being like, oh, I really like that Jane fellow. He's funny. He's like, you know, not quite in with the rest of the crew. He's, you know, a bit of a wild card. And then I watch this episode and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on Firefly Back in the Skies. Bye. <laughs> I also really want to rub it up there. I also really want to rub it up there. I also really want to rub it up there. I also really want to rub it up there. I really want to rub it up there.